this week on Hometown Ghost Stories. When you think of Hawaii, you probably think of waves crashing over a beautiful beach while you take in the rays of sun. What many don't know is the amount of paranormal instances that happen all over the islands. In Kaimuki, the residents have been haunted by what they believe could be an ancient Japanese spirit. And these hauntings have been happening since at least the 1940s. There have also been sightings of the spirit of a girl appearing on one of the bridges. Join us as we dive into the hauntings of Kaimuki, Hawaii. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Mom, I can't get that smell out of my nose. Julie's son, Kai, had been complaining about an odor for the last 20 minutes. At first, she thought he was playing around, but his persistence began to worry her. The only thing was, herself and her two oldest daughters... Lori, who was 18, and Mona, who was 20, couldn't smell anything. As they looked around the house, she heard a loud thud, followed by the screams of her children. Julie rushed into the living room to see her son on the ground crying. Her daughters were shrieking near the couch. Something threw him, Mona screamed. Just as she finished her sentence, Kai began to get dragged across the room by an unseen force. Julie watched in horror, then dashed to grab her 10-year-old child. She had heard of the spirits of the island while growing up, but had never seen anything. Until tonight. She grabbed her son, and the opposing force eventually relinquished its grip. What exactly did you smell? She said frantically to her terrified child. I don't know, Mom. It smelled bad, like something was rotten. Julie's stomach sank. She remembered her grandmother telling her that spreading salt in waving Thai leaves would ward off evil spirits. So she rushed to the kitchen. As she was getting her items, the screaming from her kids began again. Mom, it's choking Mona! Julie rushed back, started throwing salt and waving the Thai leaves frantically at her daughter. Lori, call the police! She screamed at the other daughter, not knowing what else to do. During a several-minute whirlwind, the family was able to get Mona free. The children were inconsolable on the couch and were screaming, and the police rushed in as they arrived. During the questioning, the attacks on the children began again. Lori and Mona were both being attacked by an invisible force, and the police were bewildered. They joined the frantic Julie in throwing the salt around and waving Thai leaves until finally freeing the girls and rushing everybody outside. Tears flowed from the entire family's face, while utter shock was the expression on the face of the officers. The family decided to go to Julie's sisters with just the clothes on their backs, fearing going back into the house. As the family entered the squad car, Julie turned to one of the officers and asked if he'd report the haunting. The officer responded with, I don't really know what I saw, ma'am. 
She pointed to the officer's arm and said, Look, Officer Cummings, you can't stop shaking, and you have goosebumps too. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, the Kasha House of Kaimuki, Hawaii. Within the capital city of Honolulu, Hawaii, is the neighborhood of Kaimuki. In the 19th century, Kaimuki was a farm for the king, where his ostriches would roam the mountainside. After this, it would become a carnation farm that was primarily used for funeral flowers. In the current day, it's now a mixture of a residential area along with a small business district as well. Within this community, there are two hauntings that the locals know very well. The first occurs at the 16th Avenue Bridge. The ghost of a Japanese girl around the age of five or six, who is believed to have been killed in a hit and run, has appeared to many different people over the years. People have reported coming across the sad little girl on the bridge, and she asked them to help get her home, only for her to disappear without a trace. There have even been those that have claimed to have photographed the little girl, peeking out behind the bodies of others in their pictures. As terrifying as the haunting on the bridge is, there's one story that has kept the locals frightened for much longer. That is, the story of the Kasha House. Before we talk about the Kasha House, we should define what a Kasha is. Coming from Japanese culture, Kasha translates to burning cart or fiery chariot. And originally, Kashas were depicted as just that, a being that would come on a cart engulfed in flames and bring damned people to hell. It was believed that black clouds and forceful winds would appear at the funeral of those who were evil in life. The wind would be strong enough to whip the coffin into the air, landing on the chariot before being carried away to hell. Throughout time, the definition of Akasha in Japanese culture would be altered. Akasha in more modern times is now depicted as a demon-like creature that can take the shape of animals, but generally, it takes the form of a cat. They still stalk funerals and steal corpses to consume them or use the dead in black magic rituals. They have even been said to possess bodies to act out their evil intentions. During the late 1800s, people began to migrate from Japan to Hawaii in large numbers. And perhaps some of the spirits from the country came over with them. The first documented occurrence of activity of the Kasha House happened in 1942. An article that was published in the Honolulu Star Bulletin on August 13, 1942, read as follows. 
police called to shoot ghost from Kaimuki. Kahuna, Hawaii's own witchcraft, brewed evils again Wednesday night, dispelling old-timers' hopes that the war had stilled it. Entering a Kaimuki near riot call at 1.25 a.m., Police Sergeant Mosley K. Cummins and Patrolman Robert Anstyth found a Hawaiian boy, 10 years old, and his two sisters, 18 and 20, shrieking on a sofa. The mother, besides shrieking, was waving Thai leaves and sprinkling Hawaiian salt to ward off ghosts. At 10 p.m., she said, her son had detected an odor of ghosts. Angry at being found out, the spirits first attacked him, then began repeated attempts to strangle his sister, she said. My husband, who left me, is to blame, the mother added. After a one and a half hour struggle, police and family yielded the home to Kahuna and retreated at 3 a.m. to the mother's sister's home. As they left and sleepless neighbors gave thanks, the mother turned to Sergeant Cummins. Look, you have goose pimples too. From at least that day on, the house would be considered haunted. There would be no more documented reports of the haunting for years. However, in 1967, a listing would appear in a newspaper for a two-bedroom rental property. What stands out about this is one particular word that's in the listing. The listing read as follows. Kaimuki, two bedrooms, haunted, $155. The next time there would be any official reporting on the hauntings would be on October 31st, 1972. A newspaper editorial would print the following. A police officer in a patrol car in Kaimuki got a late-night call from three girls sharing a house, which the neighborhood considered haunted. The girls heard strange noises of someone moving around and talking, and one of the girls said she felt a hand on her arm. They decided to spend the rest of the night in Papakolea with the mother of one of the girls and wanted the policeman to follow them there. The girls got into their car, the officer got into his, and they drove down Waialea Avenue. Suddenly, the girl driving pulled her car into the Oasis Cafe parking lot. The policeman later wrote in his report that the girl in the middle of the front seat was fighting off someone who could not be seen, but who was strangling her. He jumped out of his car and reached into the girl's car to help. In retelling the story, the officer said, quote, A big, strong, calloused hand that could not possibly belong to a teenage girl grabbed my arm and twisted it. I radioed for assistance. End quote. The answering officer was prepared for a parking lot fight, but not for a ghost. There's a ghost in that car, he told me, and he was white as a sheet. The girls were hysterical. I told the girl, who had been choked to get into the police car, and the other two to follow us to Papa Kolea. As soon as she got into the car, 
the motor died. It wouldn't start up again. He put her back into the girl's car. The other officer tried the motor, and it immediately started. The two cars drove about five yards, and suddenly, the door of the girl's car flew open. The same girl fell out on the road. Again, she was tearing at her throat, as if someone was choking her. Together, the two policemen were not strong enough to pull her hands away. The Hawaiian police sergeant ran into the Oasis Cafe and came out with a handful of Hawaiian salt and a glass of water, which he sprayed on everybody. Calm was immediately restored. Quote, It's something my grandmother told me. I never tried it before, the officer explained. It sends the ghost away. End quote. While this was an editorial, the author is a well-respected historian and member of the community, and it is believed by many that this report is either fully true or taken from true events that happened. So where exactly is the Kasha House of Kaimuki? Well, that may be the biggest mystery of all. No one knows for sure. None of the available police reports or newspaper articles ever listed the actual address. It is widely believed that it was a house on the corner of 8th and Harding. Others believe it was a house on 2nd Avenue. The fact is, the house itself has most likely been torn down at some point in the past few decades, with complexes being built in the area. People that have moved into the complexes built on the ground where these houses once stood have reported hauntings of their own. The Kasha house itself is as mysterious as the hauntings that surround its history. With all the redevelopment that has happened in the area, the question that those in the neighborhood have to ask themselves is, has the Kasha moved on to another location? Or is it still in the shadows of Kaimuki, waiting to stalk its next victims? up ladies and gentlemen welcome into hometown ghost stories episode number 109 we're in hawaii for the first time i'm jesse wilkins i am joined by rob coakley hello rob now you would think that hawaii is not a very haunted place or a very it doesn't give off haunted vibes right it's this tropical paradise but it is extremely haunted i don't know if i've seen a place as haunted as honolulu anywhere else in the world and they also have scary fish demons and octopuses and giant squids. So Hawaii is terrifying. It's on my bucket list of places that I do want to visit. We'll see if it makes the list as we continue with the episode. We're also joined by Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. Welcome in. Welcome in. So this this also surprised me because as 
we had Hawaii on the list. It was on the list of places that we actually haven't covered yet. And we're like, oh, well, we got to get there eventually. And when I found out that you were doing Hawaii, I was like, all right, let me look into it and see if there's any hauntings in Hawaii because I've never heard of a haunting in all of Hawaii. And then as I'm looking into it, there are so many hauntings so in Hawaii. Many. And usually we're surprised with areas. Usually we're like, ah, oh, man, it's Idaho. It's probably not haunted. And then you find out that there's only ghosts in Idaho. Ghosts and potatoes. Yeah, potato not ghosts. Too, I don't know how many potatoes grow in Hawaii, but they got plenty of ghosts as well. Fun fact, real quick. Rob, you got called out in chat for saying octopuses instead of octopi. It actually is octopuses, which is crazy. It's crazy yeah. that Rob's been right about the I'm a linguist. Back to back. <laughs> I'm a linguist. I know everything about the yeah. English language. All yeah. you have to do is listen to the show. I've never messed up. I've never said anything wrong. Never said impaler. No. <laughs> never never said that. Yeah, brand new. Yep. <laughs> so um, tell us more about Hawaii and uh, Kaimuki. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, Kaimuki is how you pronounce it. Okay, so and, the emphasis is over the key at the end, so it's Kaimuki? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am uh, an expert in Hawaii now as well, and all of their pronunciations. Man, there are so many hauntings here. The first thing I want to talk about is how there are not towns in Hawaii. Uh, apparently, I was looking through, and Kaimuki is like, I think it was like forty or 50,000 residents in it but it's just considered a neighborhood of Honolulu. So they don't do town. So I wasn't really sure if we should be like, this is Honolulu or this is Kaimuki or so we went with Kaimuki, but it could technically just be Honolulu. I don't know. This, this actually isn't episode 109 of hometown ghost stories. This is actually episode one of home neighborhood ghost stories. Yes. This is <laughs> home neighborhood ghost stories. So we're going to start hitting all of your uh, little individual cul-de-sacs over time but this story i don't think we will ever have a story quite like the kasha house again and we're going to dive into that in a second but let's just start with this haunted bridge in kaimuki where it is kind of a story we hear a lot right where we talk about hitchhiker ghost although this isn't really considered a hitchhiker ghost she's just at the bridge it's a little girl she's supposedly five or six years old and if you research this story, you're going to see the same blurb every time. It's going to say there's a five to six year old girl of Japanese descent that appears on this bridge, the 16th Avenue Bridge, I believe it is. And she's either asking for people to help her get home or she, and then she disappears or she shows up in pictures. And there's a key detail that I keep seeing over and over when I was researching this, where it's like she died from a recent hit and run. And in my mind, it's like, okay, well, if it's a recent hit and run, then I should be able to find a newspaper article, a police report, basically anything where if we know that this is what happened, we should find some documentation on this. If it was recent, correct. Does everybody agree with that? We you should. Yep. There's nothing. I can't find anything. So if somebody does know of the story or know of the police report or can find something, please send it to me. But I think this is a case. I think it was made up for ghost tours, to be perfectly honest. It could be. We've seen it before. I think this was made up for ghost tours. I saw people from the ghost tour business saying that they had like, people come and take these photographs 
can't find any of the photographs online. So if we ran a ghost tour, which, you know, fingers crossed, we might someday. But if somebody I'm still, told I'm still, holding, I'm still holding out for hometown ghost Tories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hometown neighbor, home neighborhood ghost Tories. Yes. yes. Hawaiian edition. But if somebody that we had on a ghost tour with us and we were giving the ghost tour took a picture and they saw a ghost in said picture, what is one of the first things you would do if you were hosting that tour? You could post it online. However, I no, would say this. the first thing no, is no, no. send no, it no. to me. Send oh. it to me. <laughs> Sure, but uh, we've been on ghost tours before. For example, when we went to San Antonio and investigated the Emily Morgan Hotel, we did a ghost tour. I think we did multiple, but one of the ghost tours that we did went around to different places, the San Fernando Cathedral, the uh, Menger Hotel, mm-hmm. um, you know, a bunch of different haunted locations around San Antonio. And they had, on his iPad, he was sifting through all these different photos. And some of them were awesome of ghost pictures that had been captured during that tour. And when I put together the San Antonio episode, I'm like, let me Google this ghost tour and find those pictures. And they were nowhere on the internet. So it might be a strategic thing where it's like, these are our pictures and they're my pictures and I'm not putting them on the internet. So some other rival ghost tour company in San Antonio can steal them and and use them as their own. So maybe they aren't putting them online. Mm -hmm. So I don't doubt that they could have captured ghost photos here. Maybe the story did get concocted. You could be right. And I, I would lean on the fact that we can't find a police report. They say that it's recent. I think you're right. I think this story may have been born to uh, been born because of the ghost sightings where they are capturing pictures. I think they probably are. I think mm. they are capturing pictures of ghosts and there, there might be some sort of haunting going on there, but the backstory may have been crafted after the fact because they couldn't come up with anything. Their mistake in crafting this backstory, if it is bullshit, is saying that it's recent. They should have said it was a long time ago. Yeah, well, the other problem is if you looked at the bridge, the bridge was constructed in 1966. So it couldn't be, nothing on that bridge could be old enough that you're not documenting it. You know what I mean? Maybe. So, but there might have been an older, might have been an older wooden bridge there before. Could have been a road there. Someone could die. I mean, what I'm saying is there could be a haunting there. No, true. But it's just not from a car accident or it's from something different. I mean, this whole sure. island, there's been battles fought all over Hawaii. There's been, they're finding uh, mass graves, according to Haunted American History. I was just listening to it. They're finding these like mass graves with tons of skulls. And there's been a, a bunch of battles fought here. So it could definitely be the case. Could be any list of reasons that the place would be haunted. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just, I, I think when I read stories like this, where the whole story is a paragraph and 10 different websites have the same exact paragraph that they're just copying and pasting it. And there's no research put into it. And then when you try to dive a little bit into it, you can't find anything. Then you're, I don't, I just want to say that it's, it's either not real or to your point, Jesse, the story was just completely made up. And I don't know. I don't find a lot of validity in this particular story at the moment i'd love to be proven wrong but i just i don't think it's legit personally yeah, if you're from hawaii and you have some ghost photos any ghost photos send them our way love to see them yes now let's jump into the kasha house but in order to jump into the kasha house we would have had to known where it was mm-hmm. and that's what makes this story so different it, it is i don't know if we'll ever again talk about a haunted house where no one knows exactly which house is the haunted house. 
even though there's multiple newspaper reports on it. The neighborhood seems to know where it is, but people in the neighborhood conflict on which house they actually believe it is. This reminds me of Lindsay Brisbane's uh, haunting in her Ohio house that she rented for a little while there. And she doesn't disclose where the location of the house is. A couple of different websites said that they thought they knew which one it was, but she said that they got it wrong. So mm-hmm. and she says she keeps it uh, a secret because out of respect for the people that own it and that still rent it out and whatnot. So it could be a situation like that where that's how it started out, where they were kind of were keeping it on the hush as to which house it is. And it, maybe it got lost over the years that people don't really know for sure which one it is now because of that. Right. It is nuts because if it's getting press and the neighborhood knows about it, someone has to know which house this is. What year, what year did this, the police reports come out? The original story was from 1942. I think it was August 1942 where that first newspaper article came out. And it's not just the newspaper article. It is a whole police response. Now, I can understand the police report being lost by this point from 1942. Things were filed and I'm sure this wasn't a case that they were like, we need to make sure we save this particular case, right? So... I can see that file getting lost from the police report side of things, but the newspaper didn't didn't disclose the house. They just had a house in Kaimuki, and the re- police responded. And you had this whole police response. You had the whole story in the newspaper. That was like the open and ghost story. I didn't change much of the open and ghost story. I actually just kind of played out the events that was listed in that newspaper article. I changed the last quote because if the quote was just, you have goose pimples, that would have been like a, a week ending. <laughs> also, it's goosebumps. All right, let's let's clear the air on this. If you, see it, if you say goose pimples, you're a psychopath. The correct term is goose bumps. Goose bumps. I've also heard, I've heard goose flesh. Goose flesh and goose, goose pimples. Yeah, both of those things make me uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. not right. Those are incorrect terms. <laughs> and I won't stand for it. And Rob's the, a linguist. Yes, I'm a linguist. The official for one, for once we're on your side for something. <laughs> Hold on. Vel- Velcro for sticks says goose pimples. I wonder if this is like a, a territory thing, like an area. Velcro for sticks, are you from the UK? And if you are, why are you awake? Do you want to know what do you know what they call doing so this is a whole side tangent? Oh, Does Dave think that Hawaii's in the UK? No, I, that lost I, on the fucking. I, my, my theory was that goose pimples was something that people in the UK say, and goose goose bumps is something we say here in the US. But I could be wrong. He's from Ohio. Fight me, he says. <laughs> we know Rob will. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're on this like little side tangent, I learned this in the last couple of weeks. You remember how like when we you were in high school, you get your first car, you go to like a parking lot, and you do donuts in the snow. Like, Megan says, Rob, I thought you said goose nipples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at all these goose nipples on my arm. <laughs> I see a doctor, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get back to this real quick. When you were in high school, your first car it would start snowing. You'd go to like a parking lot somewhere and do donuts. I'm assuming you did that. Mm-hmm. And you called it doing donuts, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you know what they call it in Minnesota? What? Whipping shitties. <laughs> I, I actually have heard that. 
I didn't know that was I, a Minnesota thing, but that's that fun. is that is superior. That is way better. <laughs> that, like the, I heard that recently. Where where did you learn this fact? I I heard it on a podcast today. Whipping shitties. I'm pro, whipping shitties. The, if someone asked me to go whip shitties, I'd be like, I don't know what that means, but I'm not coming with you. <laughs> yeah, it sounds gross. Like, how, how did I know what it means? I mean, that's a great time, Dave. I remember the one time that we did that. We got stuck in a snowbank on Flagler Drive. Oh yeah, we had to have our dad come and get us out, and we thought he was really oh, yeah. pissed, but he actually just kind of thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he might have been really pissed. He's probably um, really pissed. I don't think so. It's probably something he used to do. But he's probably I think, <laughs> think we're like, oh yeah, just drifted off, and I think he saw that that the tracks in the snow and it was like no you weren't oh yeah i made some i made up some bullshit story and he saw right through it <laughs> something like that i will say that whipping shitties sounds like a boston thing like that sounds like yes. something we would have came up with here whipping yeah. wicked shitties bro yeah, whipping shitties over in the parking lot of shaz with my duncan so so probably very few whipping shitties in Hawaii, though. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how we get to, to doing donuts in snow when we're talking about Hawaii. I do wonder if, like, I mean, obviously, 1942 is a pretty chaotic time for Hawaii. I do wonder if maybe the news wasn't trying to create more pandemonium. I mean, I think Pearl Harbor was, what, 1941? So 1942, they're under constant um, fear that they're going to get attacked by the Japanese again maybe it has something to do with them not trying to create more pandemonium because you see what happens when when a newspaper or a police report releases the address of a haunted house you've seen the absolute chaos that could be created in the streets in and around that neighborhood and you see it you saw it in connecticut with the poltergeist in bridgeport Mm -hmm. where it was just it was like a festival outside of the house of everyone just creating chaos you've seen it in amityville like they straight up don't allow people in that neighborhood to do that. Uh, all of these places, when they get press like this, and when the media reports that house is haunted, everyone becomes it becomes a, a spectacle, and people go crazy. So, Bridgeport's an interesting one to bring up for that point because we did that video on Bridgeport, and if you go to the comments of that video. You just see so many people that were like, I was here for this. I went and looked at this house. And so it, it totally validates what you're talking about. It, it, everyone either was there watching what happened at that house or everyone else in the comments lived there. So there was like 100 people living in that house at one point, apparently, because according to our comments. But True. Rachel says it happened after the Conjuring movie came out, too. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, and we saw the the ramifications from that. They had barbed wire fence all over the place trying to keep people that aren't supposed to be there out because people don't know how to act. People are just... Uh... Their haunted barn just burnt down. I don't know if they were able to salvage any of it, but I remember when we went to the Conjuring house, we weren't allowed to go into the barn because it was unsafe. Yeah. And you Good could thing. see why. Yeah. So I, I do wonder if it was something just electrical or whatever, but I do have to wonder... Could have been something elemental. Could have been something paranormal. Yeah. So, God, I forget where we were on the Kasha House. Now we were talking about the newspaper article, right? Yeah. We were talking about how we don't know what is. What's the? Uh, what is the? Because we think this is an old Japanese entity, possibly, right? Yeah, the Kasha is an old Japanese entity. Yeah, it's a yokai. Yes, it's a form of a yokai which we should probably do a small little video on yokais at some point in the future. 
do a history of ghosts for Patreon. Yes, we should probably do that. Um, as as we talk about that, my dog is dreaming and throwing me way off right now. <laughs> um, so uh, well, it kind of ties into what you were just saying, Jesse, with the elemental spirits, because a lot of these really ancient polytheistic religions, all, a lot of their gods and demons are based on the elements, especially not only just not just Shinto, the Japanese religion where yokai come from, come from but also the ancient uh, Polynesian religions and the Hawaiian religions are all polytheistic and a lot of their gods are based on elements. So that was a interesting parallel. I thought. Mm. That was a good one. Um, so yeah, the Kasha, the Kasha actually evolved over time too, from what they believed the Kasha was. It started off as this entity that basically came to your funeral and had a cart and carried you to hell if you weren't a good person, essentially. And over time, it kind of morphed into being this being that would show still show up at your I can, funeral. I can just only imagine just wheeling around, just bring out your dead, bring out your dead, <laughs> take them to hell. Um, it transformed. I don't want to try a Japanese accent, so I'm just going for British accent. All right, cool. <laughs> um. So it transforms into this entity that becomes animal-like. And if you read, it can be in the form of many different animals, but the most common depiction is that of a cat. And as we all know, cats are assholes. So this, this is all adding up. And basically this entity would come to your funeral to devour your flesh. Like it's not accurate for a cat. Yeah. So I grew up with cats. I like cats. But I was uh, listening to a podcast this week. I don't remember if it was on Joe Rogan or something like that. But do you know how long a cat will wait to start eating your body if you die in the house? Like five minutes. According to this guy who is an expert. Yeah, about that. Like they just start eating you pretty much right away. So if you die in the house and you didn't leave cat food out for your cat, he said within 24 hours, this thing will start eating you from the starting at the head. This definitely, sounds, this definitely sounds like something you would hear on a Joe Rogan podcast. The do a dog will also eat you, but a dog will wait until it's like about to die. Like where the, you know, obviously a dog actually likes you, loves you. The dog will wait. But a cat, that thing is just like, oh, thank God. My food has finally died. Finally. <laughs> start eating. I'm surprised it doesn't start eating you when you're alive. But yeah. I mean, some try, I think. I feel like some cats do try to eat you. Right if a away. cat was big enough, it would eat you. While you're alive, it wouldn't hundred percent. Yeah, it's called a lion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Nancy says cats will eat your eyeballs, and that is that is a fact. They will they will start with your eyeballs, mm. Mm -hmm. especially if it's a demon cat. Yep. Yeah. So but there are some facts that you brought up in that where I'm like, great, I get to talk about this because yeah, they <laughs> they will eat your flesh and they hate you. So it it transforms into this demon cat because of. Um, they have so many similar types of demons. It, well, I guess not demons, but different types of spirits in Japan that are similar. And I think that they just start to evolve over time because some are just too similar to other ones. There's a few different forms of like evil cat spirits there. So it's um, it's interesting to see the trajectory of a, of a Kasha 
but they're not considered demons, but they are considered evil. So it's just different culture, culture, right? It's the way that they are depicted in that culture. And they believe that Akasha what was was haunting this house. And what I don't understand, with all the depictions of what we have told Akasha is and what they do, why do they think it's Akasha that's haunting this house? And I couldn't really find any answers on that. Because it doesn't kind of jive with what we're told Akasha is. You know what I mean? Kind of. I do wonder. I do wonder. So it was like dragging the kids around the house and stuff. Which makes me think that maybe they think that it was trying to drag them to hell, but or consume them, but they're not dead. So maybe it still does that to you while you're alive. Mm. So I think maybe that's why. I, I, I guess that that checks out. So we get that first report in 1942, and then 30 years later in 1972, we get the next report. But in between, in between, I think it was 1967 go back and check the episode earlier, something pops up in the newspaper. And, and I found this, it made me chuckle a bit. And I was just reading it. And it's a ad for a rental unit. And it's just like, Kaimuki, two bedroom, haunted, $150. And you're just like, wait, 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 wait. $150 for a two bedroom? I'm in. Yeah. Then we could have investigated it for a whole month for 150 yeah. bucks. Yeah. That's a hell of a deal. I mean, you, we could go to Saratoga for 10 minutes in August for $150. <laughs> was, that the original, was that the original rental from uh, 1942? <laughs> yeah, it was It was 1967, I believe. Oh. But yeah, 150, 150 bucks for the two bedroom. But it just says haunted. And it's just like, are you going to elaborate on what this haunting is? What is happening at this house that you want me to rent that's in the newspaper? Why are you even disclosing it? You like have to wonder if, if they were supposed to disclose it or they disclosed it as a selling point. For, I don't know. If it was a selling point, they'd have it more money, right? Right. Maybe. I don't know if you're disclosing it as a selling point in 1967, though. Hmm. I don't know if that's like a year that people would be looking. I don't even know if it's a selling point now, to be honest. I know like we would because we're psychos. And when we're not whipping shitties, we want to go investigate some, <laughs> some haunted houses. So, so if you have like the conjuring house where it's like a major haunting, that's like yeah, Hollywood different. level, you they, then that will bring the property value up. But if you just say it's randomly haunted, realtors really don't like that. But this one did get the press, so it was in the newspapers. So maybe around town, maybe if it's the same house, if it's the same house, that's the other problem. It's like, is this that house? And then after that, about five years later, nineteen seventy-two, October thirty-first, it comes out. It's an editorial. It's that other newspaper article with the police showing up to the three girls that were renting the house that were getting attacked, choked. And people like to argue against this one because it was an editorial that was released on Halloween. But the author was like a well-respected local historian in the town. And to me, it read like a police report more so than anything, right? Like it didn't read like a, like a made-up story. And if, they, if it was all made up, then great. But for, the locals believe that it's a true story. They believe that this is exactly what happened. Um, if some elements might have been 
more elaborate than what actually happened, but they believe that this is essentially something that happened in their community in the early 1970s. So I think it's real. Like, I think that particular story is real. What I don't know is if it's the same house. It could and, just be multiple haunted houses. I mean, from what I've heard and what I've read about, it's just every island is haunted out there and there seems to be so many different haunted places that I think it could be a little bit of both. I mean, it, it could it could very well be the same house, but it sounds like it also might just be a different haunted house. Yeah, and I think there's a few different elements. I think there's that possible aspect where it's multiple houses with multiple different entities haunting different different areas or maybe there is a neighborhood that there is one entity that is going around right and actually haunting different parts of this neighborhood it's not just it doesn't focus on one house we always kind of associate a ghost or entity haunting one place or one location or one house but why I mean, what is we don't we don't make the rules, but why is that a rule? Why can't this entity be kind of lurking around the entire area and haunting throughout different different spots on the island? Especially if they're if they're saying that this ghost is a Japanese demon, mm -hmm. it's not going to be confined to just one house if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, it could be whipping shitties all the way from Jap you know, Japan <laughs> to uh, Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just. It's just got a snow machine in Hawaii, just kicking some <laughs> snow in front of it. That's how you know it's coming. You're like, oh, God, there's snow everywhere. Just with its little hell cart. Just doing. <laughs> just, <laughs> just beeping the horn, but the horn meows. <laughs> no, the horn is actually just one of the corpses it takes, and it just presses on the chest. It makes it yell. <laughs> it just wheezes. <laughs> ah! You know when people get married and they have like the things dangling from the back of the car with the just married like the cans or whatever it does it has that but it's cat toys. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've joked enough about this. We can move on to another subject. <laughs> 1972 comes along. That's that newspaper article. Things are, if things are quiet in terms of it being reported, there still could have been hauntings going on, and the neighborhood kind of starts to evolve they start tearing down a lot of houses they start building new complexes new houses all over this area and again we don't know exactly which house it was but we think it's this one particular house that's on the corner of two intersecting streets and i don't want to read the full article but i do encourage everybody to go check it out if you get a chance it is um titled I lived in the most haunted house in Hawaii, which is the Kaimuki house. And it is written by Keith Mann. He wrote it five years ago. So he wrote about his experiences living in the house that is now built on top of where they think the original Kasha house was. Again, we don't have that confirmed, but he was living in this house and he had some haunting experiences. He didn't have anything violent happen to him. He had some of your more run-of-the-mill hauntings, and he goes into those in this article. Um, but he also talks about just always having an uneasy feeling while being in there. And that always stands out to me because that's my Bridgewater story, right? Like, I would go weeks without a haunting, but it didn't mean that I did. I always felt uneasy in that house. 
And I always look for that when I'm reading a story about somebody talking about a haunting where they lived. Because you can easily say the cabinets were opening and the covers were getting pulled off of me and all this other stuff. But to describe how you feel within the place is always going to, and other people have other things they look for. But if you can describe how you feel while you're in that location, and I've experienced it when we've gone to other places now, right? Uh, One that really, really stands out is the Oliver house. Felt uneasy in a lot of that house, but specifically in a certain room. And I've felt that in a few other places. So I think for me, that is just a different thing that stories lack sometimes. You can talk about the hauntings you had, a brick flew or this or that. And yeah, that shit's all scary. But really tell me what you felt in that house and I can kind of believe it a little bit more. It's also tricky because it's also the most impossible thing to debunk. So a lot of these ghost shows, they go into places and all of a sudden everyone gets possessed and everyone's feeling sick or feeling depressed or whatever. And the reason that a lot of those shows do that, and we understand that as television, a lot of shows have to do that because sometimes maybe they're not getting a bunch of evidence, but you still have to get ratings and you're still a TV show. So I think a lot of these shows, when all of a sudden the star is possessed again, or the star is feeling this sense of anger out of nowhere and wants to fist fight everyone. I'm not talking about any show in particular, obviously. Dave. <laughs> I'm obviously just talking about Dave. Uh, that's it's impossible to debunk, but it's also it's also legitimate. I've felt it. I, we just talked about the Conjuring House. It just sounds like we're we're beating a dead horse there. But with the Conjuring House, I got that, but only when I went back in by myself. And you obviously got it out of a few locations. I remember the Houghton Mansion. Uh, you were crying like an incredible coward coming out of the uh, psychomanthium chamber. And it was, but I, I say that to make fun of you, but at the same time, it's like, obviously you felt something that I didn't feel in there, but it's, it could be different for different people. They're going to get affected by locations, whether it's ghosts or, or your mind playing tricks on you it could be different in different situations, or you could also be faking it, but it's impossible to tell someone that they didn't feel that feeling in that moment. It's tricky. It's tricky, but I do chalk it up to the paranormal in a lot of cases because you don't know how you're going to get affected by whatever could be lurking. You don't know if a ghost is going to choose you to target in a situation. It could absolutely be legitimate in a lot of cases. Yeah. And how sad is it that no one else will ever see that Houghton Mansion video because we just don't have it anymore? Of we have footage we, from Houghton Mansion. Are you talking about the Houghton Mansion? Yeah, we don't have all the footage though, right? Oh, we don't. No, we lost a lot of it. Basically, yeah. the only thing that we had from the Houghton Mansion, which obviously we did a whole episode on it, was the already edited down version that we yeah. were going to release as a different show back in the day. That was like our first real investigation outside of the investigations that we did at your house. So we didn't know what the hell we were doing. We yeah. still don't know what the hell we're doing, but we're figuring it out as we go, right? <laughs> God, the knocking in that. I'll never forget the knocking with Dave in the big room. Mm-hmm. We did. We did catch some of that on camera. So that was in, that was in the episode, but very responsive with Dave, and yeah, a lot a lot of stuff in that house. Very very spooky place. Unfortunately, I don't know if we can ever go back to that house. I don't know if that's what you were alluding to. I know we lost some of the footage, but that building has been closed due to black mold for a long time now. Yeah, they did an estate sale there. I found out about it too late. I I really wish we could have gone to the estate sale and gotten some objects from. 
the actual house, but I think I found out about it like two days after it happened. And I was just like, that sucks because that's gotta be them mailing it in. Right. Like, okay, we can't open this thing again. I mean, it was, it's not like it was like a museum. I mean, it was open for, they were open to letting people do paranormal investigations, which is how we got in there. But it was, it was just a Masonic lodge. So I I just think that they're not gonna be able to do their Freemason demonology in there anymore. No more human sacrifices. A very it's cool a place, shame. but the, but the difference between the Houghton Mansion and the Kasha House is, we know exactly where the Houghton Mansion is. We have no idea where the Kasha House is, and I thought that's why this is just such a different story. How many times are we going to find documented hauntings from the police and newspapers and all this stuff, and just be like, but we don't know where the house is. <laughs> like we don't, we don't, we don't know the address. It's a famous haunted house. One of the most famous haunted houses on all of Hawaii. No one knows where it is. I say no one facetiously because I do think there are locals that know, but I think because people are pointing out different houses that you're not sure exactly which ones. And although 1942 wasn't that long ago, anyone that was 10 years old at that time is now in their 90s, right? So there there's fewer of them around now to actually help us point out this house. But I, I'm sure, I'm sure people know. And I think Dave, that Dave, is, I saw you, Dave, I saw you doing the math in your head. Did it check out? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. Rob's right again. Fuck. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm the most prepared person at all times. <laughs> I'm a mathematician. I'm a linguist. I can do everything. Dave was As looking at a ceiling calculator for about eight seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh were you trying to find out where um ohio was on your ceiling map as well which which one of these hawaiian islands is ohio (laughs) (laughs) it does sound like it could be a hawaiian ohio a little bit yeah yeah i could see that yeah Yeah. you should look into that (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna get to the bottom of this i have an idea for you (laughs) rename one of these ohio or we just move ohio into the ocean that's that's where it belongs honestly <laughs> that's what i think those deadly cute octopuses oh god <laughs> but that is um that is essentially the kasha house I, again i do recommend you go do a little bit of your own reading about this place read that article about the guy that lived there like i said he one of the things i found interesting in the article was he said that at least three people came up to him while he was doing his laundry at like one of the local laundromats. And I guess it's a, it's a tight knit community that everyone knows everybody in that vicinity. And they were all like three different people came up to said, have you seen the Kasha yet? And then others were telling him how people were moving out of that house within three months consistently. So someone's got to know, I feel like if we go out there, cause it's on the list. Because it's Hawaii. Who wouldn't want to go to Hawaii, right? Of course, it's on the list. But if we were to go out there and we were to go to the island, which island is it on? It's on Honolulu. I didn't remember where I was going. But I bet if we were to go there and walk around and ask the locals, I bet people would be like, oh, yeah, we know where the Kasha house is. I bet they know. I bet they do know. It's just the internet. You think that if we went around and like went into like a restaurant and asked, started asking around to be like one guy in the back corner at a table by himself with a raincoat (laughs) on? Who knows exactly what we want to know? Raincoat, coconut bra. Yep. <laughs> that guy's going to know where the Kasha house is. 
Like, yeah, like, I can bring you there. <laughs> brings us around back, beats the shit out of us, takes all of our money, and then leaves. Mm-hmm. Says aloha. <laughs> they always say aloha. They do. We just, we just never find a haunted house. We just keep getting beat up at parking lots. Got your pineapples at me. <laughs> our money stolen. Those are the only things I know about Hawaii. I just listed all of them. So that's awesome. Uh, Honolulu has a ton of haunted places. Hawaii has a ton of haunted places. I'm sure we'll be back for another episode. We will track oh, down the Kasha house. That is our mission. Mm. There mm. is one particular haunting in Honolulu that I am really looking forward to covering in the future. So we will definitely be back to Hawaii. Hell yeah. Sounds good. Uh, any reviews that we want to go over before we close things out here? Yeah, no, we absolutely have our five-star reviews to read and you too can go leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify and we will read it before you do that though we have new merch and we have these sweet new gray t-shirts and gray beanies so if you're looking for some new merch we got a restock of hoodies as well if you are a patreon member do not forget to go on the Patreon, look through the post, find your discount code, use your discount code. That's one of your perks. But for now, let's read some five-star reviews. This first one is from Sammy Rue, titled Topher Grace, Vince Vaughn, and Seth Rogen. This show is so good, and I love that they go into lesser-known stories and actually visit some places on their own. It sounds like Topher Grace, Vince Vaughn, and Seth Rogen talking about ghosts and murderers, and I love every second of it. And there is a heart and ghost emoji. And are they saying that we sound like those people? That's what I'm wondering. Like, is it just I've gotten Vince Vaughn out of you? I'm assuming you're Seth Rogen. I don't know who Topher Grace is. He was in that 70s show. Yeah. Oh, that's why. I don't like that show. <laughs> Show's fine. Um, I don't know because I don't watch it. <laughs> Wait, who did you say? Who is Seth Rogen? You. I'm you Seth Rogen? I would guess. Uh, if anyone sounds like Seth Rogen, it's probably you. So who's Vince Vaughn? Dave. People I've heard Vince before. Vaughn before. I don't see, I don't get the Vince Vaughn out of Dave, but. It mm. wouldn't be the first time I've heard it. Not that I look like him. I sound like him, I guess. I don't see it either, but. Well, the next one is from Glittery Butt titled Love the Show. It writes. Um, it reads, Rob is my favorite. The other two are okay. Dave, you made this one up again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we got to stop doing this. He did that. Uh... Someone needs to actually leave Rob a positive review so we can stop making these up every week. It's getting old. <laughs> he said, I would be the prettiest ghost worm in the well in England. So he gets five stars. But in all honesty, the oh. show is amazing. Oh, see, he wasn't being honest <laughs> before. All right. That makes sense. Okay. Carry on. All, honestly, the show is amazing. Storytelling top tier. And I enjoy the banter between the three during live shows. It's a good review. Yes. Well, the next review. You can actually disregard anything anyone ever says before they say, but in all honesty. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> the next one is from Dave D, who we dedicated an episode to two weeks ago. Oh, yes, yeah, indeed. And um, we dedicated an episode this week as well, which we'll get into in a second. But this one is titled Dave D, Not Dead. Yes. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. I tuned in late to the Keg Mansion episode and heard your comments and was unsure if I was dead or not. Turns out I'm okay. Nice (laughs) (laughs) Nice touch dedicating episodes to fans. It makes me feel included and part of, which is not easy for me. I have had some personal issues and it's tough at times. 
but you guys make the bad days good and the good days better. Your show is a healthy escape for me and the entertainment you provide me helps my anxiety. I'm a VIP. I watch on YouTube. I listen to the podcast and next month when I got some extra cash, I'll be buying my first merch. I'll support you guys however I can because your support and help me every day, whether you know it or not. Much love, health, peace to you and your family, your friend Dave D, who is definitely not dead and always spitting in the dark. <laughs> that review gave me goose nipples. <laughs> oh, that's actually my favorite review that we've ever gotten. Good. That's badass. Good oh, yeah. yes. Good one. That worked out. Who's this episode dedicated to? Was it Lisa? Uh, yes, this one is dedicated to Lisa Jennings. Absolute legend VIP patron. One of our first VIP patrons. Yes. Yeah. So Lisa, shout out to you. Thank you for being a VIP patron. Thank you for being one of the first and thank you for being here. Oh, also big shout out to Andrew P who is the number one HTGS fan. Oh uh, yeah. Had to say that. Contractually obligated and we're excited to see what happens with that. But <laughs> speaking of VIPs, let's thank our VIPs. We have the alive Dave D. Kate yeah. C. Van Blazora, Lost in Colorado Mountains. We have Glitter Tease, Cammy from Washington, Jenner P, Dakota G, Nick, Donnie N, Inspires Gaming, Allison V, Robert H, Anna C, Jort Wearing, Cola Sipping, Evangelizing Alien, Mallory K, Demon King, Mom and Pops W, and Lisa J, who this episode was dedicated to. Thank you so much for being VIPs. Next up, we have the Warren's Wards. Starting with Nefarious Chadpoles, Wahini Pirate, I Hate Rob, Eugene M, Arcade Hunters, Siobhan Not Sharon, Kath Q, Liz Young, DC, Chris Connolly, LBPS founder, next HTGS guest, the other Rachel B, Sarah Cook, Stitch Kitten, Ambie Rose, Janice G, Lily, Rachel B, Captain McTibbles likes Rob's goose pimples. Mama <laughs> is a better movie than Malignant. Oh, I've never, no. I never kicked anyone <laughs> off of Patreon before, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall and the prettiest worm of all. Papa Squatch, Rob has goose nipples. Jake V, cat, <laughs> cat toys bring all the ghosts to the yard. Steph A, thank you so much for being part of the Warren's Wards. Fantastic job. And I have goose nipples. Can you milk me? <laughs> <laughs> How about that, Greg? Okay, this one I've been battling with. Meta Ace. A's, meta A's. Or do we all get to try pronouncing this and they can correct us? Yeah, it says, right. Oh, it's also can you pronounce my name correctly with a winky face? So, uh, the answer is probably not, but I gave it a shot. Uh, next we have Sarah B. I believe Sarah is new. Welcome in, Sarah. If you're not new, thanks for sticking around, Sarah. Dominica, we have Queen Chan's Revenge, Angel F, Monster Mom 04, Reed M, Whippin' Shitties, and Motorboating Kitties. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the most fun I've ever had reading a name on Patreon. We have Sharon K, Ali, next is Dark Snark. We have Rob blew out the birthday candles last week but forgot to wish for his neck back. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. One of Ghost Rob's yeeted orphans, Megan S, Morgan S, Captain McTibbles tickles goose nipples. <laughs> Crush that, that was fun to read. Mark Twain in the Haunted Grape, Julie S, Sharon V, Wayne C, Kelly C, HTGS, sponsored by Kumon, uh, Kumon, Kumona Wana, Kumona Wana Leia, oh, Kumona Wana Lick You, oh, Wana Lick You, <laughs> look at that, look how I got bamboozled, <laughs> Crystal Quinn, Aaron A, Mina H, Colby, Daddy Rob, Sassy Toad Witch, allegedly getting choked by that ghost, mmm, Alicia E. I'm Thick Boy Freddy allegedly getting goose nipples, shitting shitting whippies at the lost Kaimuki house on the left. Hashtag yeet. 
<laughs> of course. Nato, Rob's Goose Nipples, Sam from Nepal, Joe R, Paul from St. Louis, Ashley M, Al Capone, Huggy Bear, Brennan, the Headstone Concussed China Bound Vampire, <laughs> Solar Flare, Mariah M, Kerry Lee J. Next, Anthony. Sorry, boys, I'm out of jokes. T. Oh, never <laughs> up, Anthony. Never give up. Uh, Brandon W. Hooper the Hellhound, Dave vs. 100, Alpha Frogs, and Nipple Goose. Nipple Goose. <laughs> Excuse me, a lot of nipples in the uh, in the Patreon names this week. So it's that. so funny how they the things that they pull from the show. Because like I thought that was just like a quick thing. I, I never would have thought that's. I guess I should have thought that's where they were gonna go. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> with the entire Patreon list. <laughs> Off of somebody mis mishearing you in chat too. It wasn't even one of them, something that we said originally. That's great. Three dollars a month to get you on Patreon. Join up. Join the fun. You get early access to episodes, ad free episodes, as well as bonus content. You get to hang out in the Patreon pre-show hangs, and you get discounts on merch. All sorts of good stuff on Patreon. So think about joining if you can't. The other best way to support the show is to leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. Whatever Amazon is. apparently. Yeah, you wherever you listen, you can do it on like Audible and stuff now. Wherever you listen to the podcast, some comments on YouTube. Subscribe there. Oh yeah, do that too. That's Go amazing. watch our thirteen ghost review on the review channel. That one blew up for some reason. Um, you can hear Dave and Jesse be wrong about that movie and me be completely right. If you want to hear that one, you kind of agreed with us. No, I said it was a great movie. Guess what we don't have to do? We don't have to review it again because we already did go watch that. Out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, gentlemen, before we sign off? Um, next week, we are doing Haunted Headlines. And this week, for side content, we are doing something new. We are doing... We should pull a switcheroo. I think we should do Haunted eBay items for sale next week. Vote in the Discord. Do you want haunted eBay items or do you want haunted headlines next Tuesday? Well, the only reason I say that is because the content that we're dropping on Friday is pretty similar to haunted headlines. It's very different. Night and day. Anyways, tune in Tuesday and see what you get. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning tuning in. We appreciate you all. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Peace. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. 